talk us through those 80 minutes. No, we prepared to win. We knew that we were here to make history. The whole week, that's what we told ourselves. And you know what? I'm so proud of the boys. Absolutely humbled. And the guys came out. They played with enormous testicles. And we absolutely did it. Fantastic effort. I'm such a happy captain. Good evening, good morning, wherever you are. Welcome to another episode of The Dropped Kickoff. My name is Nick Vasiliev and I'm coming to you on a beautiful, beautiful Monday evening. I'm still on a high after that fantastic win. Wallabies beat the uh, the Springboks yet again to reclaim the Mandela Challenge plate, 30-17. to 17, And I've got the usual suspects here to talk about this game with me. First of all, Jack, how you doing, mate? Good. Feeling real good after the weekend. It's weird um, not having Sunday footy. Saturday um, Saturday night was great, and then I was left all Sunday wondering what to do next. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. It kind of. Uh, it does. It kind of like. I, I had to process a lot of emotions on on Sunday, and I spent pretty much half the day just rewatching all of the highlights and just going, <laughs> oh, "Can I just go back there to that to those moments with all those tries?" But a oh, lot, lot of lot of emotions to process. Uh, I'm also joined by Nathan Williamson. Nathan, how are you doing, mate? Mate, I'm doing well. I'm not used to this consistency. But it's, it's a nice feeling. I was uh, having a conversation with a Kiwi, man. I was just like, is this how you feel every week? This is great. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny. I was chatting. To, I had a, similarly was chatting to a, a good Kiwi mate of mine, and he was going, is this the same side that played the Bledisloe? Is this the same team? They're playing like incredible footy, and it's absolutely true. Um, yeah, it's it's wonderful. Um, this is uh, we were talking about just before the pod that you know I've, I've been doing this podcasting stuff on Gaga since like 2016, so pretty much the start of that England series that we lost three zip, and I think probably with the exception of that 2019 win over the All Blacks, I think this has been the highest, the most, the highest point that we've had in terms of actual consistent performance, which is wonderful to say. Um, in terms of the performance against the world champions. But lastly, uh, Nick Hartman. Nick, how you doing, mate? How you feeling? Yeah, man. Yeah, good, good. Um, yeah, it just feels weird, hey. Um, it's a nice sense of calm watching the Wallabies oh. and, and pride, you know, um, get into. But, yeah, uh, weird, weird, feeling weird. Yeah. It's, good. it's a good weird. It's a good weird. It's a good weird. <laughs> Good but weird. <laughs> uh, let's dive into our. We've got four hot topics that we're going to talk about. Some burning questions. Uh, question one: We got to talk about this amazing performance that the Wallabies uh, put together here. What were our takeaways from the Wallabies that game? Um, question two: Obviously, we head into two upcoming matches against Los Boomers. What changes, if any, really, do we want to see? Question three: um, With the result, with this result happening, there's already been a couple of changes to the world rankings. Hallelujah, praise be, the two southern hemisphere, the three southern hemisphere superpowers are now one, two, and three once again. All blacks have moved back to first. The wallabies have jumped two places to third. We're asking the question of giving our thoughts on who are the actual top five teams in the world. Um, and then lastly, question four, we head to the weekend uh, of the upcoming uh, matches in Townsville. There's a lot to talk about there, not just because of the uh, Wallabies Pumas, but also the 100th match between the Springboks and the All Blacks, which is taking place this weekend, and we're going to have to really get our teeth into that one. But first up, guys, let's talk about this incredible performance by the Wallabies uh, against the Springboks. Um, honest to God, was really lost for words uh, when at the end of that scoreline. I, I 
we kind of we anticipated the Springboks would come back, but I was not expecting the Wallabies to walk away with a four tries to one bonus point win, thirty to seventeen. Um, and it's it's a way. <laughs> this is such a great feeling. I forgot how great this feeling is. Uh, Jack, how what were your takeaways from this game, mate? Oh, it's just it's good to be back in the winner's circle, isn't it? It's it, it's yeah. a great feeling, and it's uh, something you know that you know. We gotta gotta hold on to as long as we can. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it, everything just seemed to click on the weekend. Um, we really it was an all, almost an all black um performance in the way that we were. You know, we got out to a lead. They sort of came back, storming in the second half, and we were able to absorb that pressure and um, put on another two tries, and we were away and didn't actually. You know, towards the back end of that game, I wasn't, you know, tearing my hair out with stress, you know, <laughs> worrying how are we going to bottle this. They they looked calm and composed and, yeah, towards the back end of the game, I really didn't think they were going to, you know, lose. Um, so, yeah, stoked, happy. Yeah, it was – look, it was – there was just this weird feeling that kind of overcame me when I was watching that, that last 20 minutes, which was just faith, just trust in the fact that the boys know what they're doing. The boys know what they're doing. They they know they trust. They're trusting themselves. They're trusting the system that that they've been clearly practicing, and they know what they're doing. And they executed it. As much as I was impressed by that, that uh, those those two tries. And finally, can we talk about the fact that Marika finally got a try? <laughs> finally, Marika. <laughs> yeah, I know. About time. But that that the ten minutes, the last ten minutes of that game, when you know the Springboks were. Were they were really? You could tell that they were desperate. They were just they were in panic mode, trying to trying to find a way to score the try. Just that faith that the boys were, they got this. They and it, it was reflected in the fact that they didn't let over any tries. They it was almost like yeah they were giving away those penalties, but they were playing so well. It was wonderful. It was wonderful to watch. Um, Nick, I, I feel like this is a bit of a tough question to ask. It's because you know we we were kind of joking about that we actually couldn't pick. Who a potential favourite player of the uh, of of the of the match was because last week it felt like you know the the real the real solid uh, experienced players in in Hooper and Cooper brought us home, um, but this week everyone seemed to stand up. Who who stood out to you, Nick? Sorry, I'm here. I'm here. Sorry, <laughs> Sorry. I'd accidentally yeah. muted my Just... um, very expensive, very impressive German microphone. Just too many options for, for Nick to try and take in there. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I know. I think you're right. Um, there were just so many standouts. Um, there were a couple um, that just didn't play really well, but I thought everyone played really well um, and in different ways. Um, I think probably, you know, shout out to Ikatao, um, who Nathan uh, one of the phrase last week. He played had another great game. Um, Cora Betty, I'm probably by, by now we're probably all seeing that uh, a gif of him running across the field after uh, packing <laughs> down on the blind side of a scrum and running all the way to the other wing and then and then really driving that turnover. <laughs> and yeah, we're, like we, we were talking on Saturday about um, just in our chat about who are the man of the matches, and it's like fucking hard. Like, yeah. who would you pick out? I think probably the only Three people who aren't in contention are, you know, Rodder, Swinton, and um, 
uh, uh, the subs and uh, Reese Hodge. Uh, but <laughs> uh, yeah, just Even they didn't play badly. Sort of, I don't so think they out. played that badly. No, no, not at all. They just they don't they just weren't immense. Uh, but yeah, just crazy, just crazy mm. how well everyone played. Yeah, yeah, strong. Even even the understated performances from you know like Rob Valentini, Philip, just doing the hard yards, getting stuck in, making those carries. Um, even when Kai Kai came on, he was he was pretty good as well. Then um, we're building you know, Amu off the bench as well. We're building really good depth now that we've got these some, some of these experienced heads um, that are stepping up. Like like I've mentioned before, they've 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 stepped up and they've made everyone better around them and they're really performing as a unit. Yeah, which is great for like Kai Tuhu, right? You know, he's he's not coming in trying to salvage a game or coming on yeah. like. When it's eighty nil or something to New Zealand, yeah. but yeah. Uh, that that depth is is so important. It's it's remarkable how like a couple of months ago, or no, a couple of months ago, a couple of weeks ago, we kind of you compare to New Zealand and think, well, they've got so many quality players, they could pick like two teams. Uh, mm. But we've we've all of a sudden got all this depth coming out of position. I, I worked out out of those twenty three that weren't playing, or the twenty three on the on the starting side, players that can come in and essentially are test quality. You got BPA, uh, Alatoa, Sean McMahon, Harry Wilson, Alessio, Paisami, Parisi, O'Connor, uh, Matamua, Vunavalu. Like there is ten, there is almost a dozen players we can, and that's not including all the overseas players that we can yeah, now like, draw on. Yeah, like your skeletons or your or whoever whoever equivalent. There's like, like there's actual depth. There is proper depth coming through, and it's it's wonderful to see. Like mm. that was that was a one to twenty, essentially a one to twenty three performance. And mm. I was just what got me from that was it seemed to show that the, those skills were transferable from that one to fifteen. It's mm. I did a done a piece on rugby.com.au. I'm not going to go into full detail, but if you want to read it, there's my plug for the episode. <laughs> but there's there's about five or six moments where you can see that Rennie trying to get or trying to upskill these players is starting to show off. Like that t- Tupu um, try. Yeah. Everyone everyone talks about that. Like it's a freak pass from Tupu. But what you don't realise is it's Angus Bell who gives him the ball. Yeah. It's his. It's a prop to another prop that gives the quick ball out that all of a sudden we're in space. You, you look to that second try, it's Katu to Swain to Philip. So there's what? A hooker to two two locks and then the Karevi. Sami makes the break, goes thirty. Philip, who starts the play, sprints down the field and mm. it's essentially what it's played. I think sixty five minutes of this stage comes in, makes the clean out to essentially get McDermott clean ball. Who finds Corabetti for the try, like and all that starts with Hodge getting a pilfer. Yeah. Yeah, like your fullback's yeah. the one getting the pilfer, and it was a clean pilfer as well. It wasn't like it wasn't a dirty one that kind of spills out. He gets that ball clean out uh, uh, in the same motion, rolls away from the ruck, and Kaitu is right there, delivers the perfect ball, and it's, it was just skills across the back line. Like it was yeah. wonderful to see. Yeah, it's amazing what um not playing a Kiwi team for a couple of weeks <laughs> does to the you know the national. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it, let's, it's it's kind of funny you mention this. So, like we were talking about this just before we started the pod, but there was a, a really interesting article that Wayne that Wayne Smith put out in the Australian today. Obviously, 
I, I kind of take some of those articles with a grain of salt, but he raised a fantastic point that, you know, in the past, so so often, so many fans kind of judge the success of the year of of a year that you have based on based on how you perform against the All Blacks, and so many people view something as a potential failure because oh yeah, but we didn't win the Bledisloe, but. Outside of the context of the All Blacks, which is a, they're a hard team to beat, and I think mentally they've just got something on the Wallabies right now. There is this team looking at this year; they are heading in the right direction in so many ways. Like they built, they beat, uh, they beat the World Cup champions twice. Um, the second time, just kind of in that last twenty, completely just showed them up. They won their first home series since 2014 against France, which is nothing to be sniffed at. It really shows that. Um, <clears throat> you know, France is is definitely a competitive outfit, but in the context of the of world rugby now, we just took on the, be- the what is supposed to be the best team in the world and won twice. Yep. That second That's time, convincingly. Um, it goes to show the wonders that you can actually do when you have a team that trusts themselves and plays confidently. Um, mm. it's kind of looking at kind of how the All Blacks play and examining that. So much is you just see it's about rugby instincts. I think a lot of real rugby instincts, they just trust themselves. It's like you've been playing this game in the backyard since you were five to 10 years old, whatever. And you just do these plays because you just trust it. It's natural instincts. That pass that Tupo threw to Marika, that's something that you do because you're just having fun. That's something that you just, you have a crack at it. That felt just so natural and trusting in the actual systems in place. And it was beautiful to watch. And I could have, I could have watched it all night. I could have keep, keep, it's a pity that the game had to come to an end. And it was a pity it was on a Saturday because I was buzzing. It was buzzing. There was so much to enjoy. Um, it's, it's good to have the, uh, the Springboks back in, you know, the rugby championship. I've, I've given them <laughs> a bit of shit <laughs> these, these last couple of weeks, but it's been good, good playing them, playing different styles and seeing, you know, best players from you know another country go up against our men and and how we can you know adjust and 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 you know put out the right game plan for them um yeah yeah I, um one thing i just want to talk about um about this game is is Reese hodge um i think you know nathan said before it was one to 23 performance but i think fullback is we don't really have a complete player there, I don't feel. Um, <laughs> when Banks came off, it was a bit like, you know, it was, it was a bit you don't know what you've got until it's gone. Yeah. Um, because <laughs> I don't think we won one high ball after that. No, but we, the, won a, we won a few. I think I feel like we won one before you. But the interesting thing about Hodge was that, you know, South Africa's game plan is just keep going forward, do the short high balls, win possession back kind of thing. But when that didn't work and Hodge got the ball, they lost all their territory because he just sent it down 70 metres. And I, I remember I said to you guys, like, oh, look, their strategy doesn't really work if you can kick the ball that far. Yeah. So it, it, I thought in a weird way that it did kind of work, but in a different way to Banks. Mm. Yeah, it's a big shame about Banks. Um, yeah, it is. It just shows probably, yeah, hooker and fullback are probably our... our two positions that we really haven't sorted out, you know. I'm a fan of Banks. Um, I don't think he's been um, terrible, as, as many people have been saying, but um, just poor timing, I guess, and um, probably, yeah, the opposition he's against. But, yeah, yeah, shame for 
shape of banks um hodge you know that was almost a a, a shot at a starting position i don't know whether he really cemented it down um we can probably talk about you know changes to the squad um in a yeah bit. i think let's we'll move on to the second question now because i feel yeah. like this is a good a good segue to talk about and, what changes we we think we could see going into the Los Pumas if into yeah. the Los Pumas games, if any? I mean, this is a tough question. This is a tough yeah. question because, as Nathan alluded to earlier, um, there's a lot of depth. There's a lot of there's actually a competition for positions now up for grabs in multiple in multiple uh, places. Um, even in that role of of hooker, like you talked about, even though I feel like no one's put a stamp on that role yet, I still feel like the likes of you know your BPAs, your Falao Fiengas, your Kai, your your Kai Tuis have, like they're putting their hands up for it, at least they 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 are trying to have a crack, and sooner or later someone is going to nail that position, um because there is competitiveness for it. But it is a good question about the the question of of of, uh, of fullback. The 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 one question I feel like we should just get off the off straight off the off the bat, um. So many people have said, bring James O'Connor back into fullback. Mm, what, nah. Natho, what are your thoughts on this one? I, I know you guys are probably going to go against it, but you know what? I, I want to try it. There's something something interesting that came out when Rennie was talking about Thursday. and it, It's the fact that he's talked about how sharp O'Connor has looked in training. Now, usually you, you just kind of say that as smoke, blowing smoke up his ass, but he said the, the last time he said that, he was about Quade Cooper, and we kind of we've seen how good he's gone. So I I think Hodge, I think I, I remarked, I think Hodge looked like I know this might be a bit harsh, but he looked like someone who had just spent all his time putting all the stats in the kicking and kick chase, and then just under high ball just was <laughs> he had an off night. And he look if we're being fair to him, he probably did enough to get himself a proper shot. I'd love to see I kind of get a shot there. If we, if you look at essentially, if Quaid's the flyer for the next 12 months, or even the less Yo is, and we go between the two, having another avenue to play O'Connor, because I don't, I think that could be nice. If he's, if the, the sort of reports are true and he's come back looking pretty quick, like that's an mm. interesting prospect to have. Although, no. ooh, what do you I say? Who do you I can't agree. I can't agree. Australian rugby has this weird obsession with like picking players out of position just because they think, you know, um, get, get the best players out on the field. But like O'Connor's only just settled into the number 10 role in the last, what, two, three years. And now we're going to talk about him coming into fullback just because, you know, our depth at fullback isn't so great. Um, I, I think, I think, yeah, you're right. Quade Cooper's earned the right for the number one spot. And don't forget, O'Connor's coming back from injury. So mm. I, I'd prefer, you know, you know, try out Hodge. I think, you know, Hodge is a symptomatic thing of what I'm saying. Like, he's been tried in so many positions just because he's got all-around skill and he's a plug gap. And that and that sort of creates discontinuity in in, in all the teams he's played for, really. Um, so I, I'd rather, you know, give Hodge a solid go or try, you know, against the Ardies, try Kellaway or Pattaya or... You know, this is the mm. sort of mm. games to try it and, and leave Jock to, you know, come back in, um, get some game time under his belt and then fight for that number 10 position. If that's his position, <laughs> he should, mm. he should so, be trying to get that one. But time's then, the second and, option for me. I, I rate that, yeah. But then, look, I think I feel like any time to bring J- James O'Connor back mm-hmm. would be for a game like this, surely. 
Not like because I mean, and this is no disres- no slouch on the Pumas. I mean, let's not let's not forget that they they drew two games against us last year, and they did show signs of improvement, even though they went down by you know nearly twenty odd to the All Blacks on the weekend. Um, why not? I feel like it wouldn't necessarily be a bad idea. Play, I'm playing devil's advocate, by the way, um, on this one, but it wouldn't necessarily be a bad idea to to try and reintroduce O'Connor in a game like this, potentially, um, against a side that you know is admittedly very talented, but hasn't been had the had the consistent performances of late. So there is potential there to to try new things with your with the makeup of your team. No, I, I think I, I totally disagree with that. I think one thing is is um... And I mean, we'll probably get into this later as well, just about playing the All Blacks and thinking of a shit and then beating the world champions twice in a row and thinking of a king shit. Um, <laughs> I think moving into, I just, oh yeah, yeah, just play the reserves. I I think we should really treat this seriously and beat them well. Um, I think, you know, the Kiwis have played, I mean, the Kiwis played two pretty different teams, but they only did a slight rotation. I think, you know, at most we should change three or four positions, one of which will be fullback because of injury. Um, and and maybe, you know, take Swinton out, at least for me. Um, not really. Yeah. If I had to make a third pick, I'm not sure, but I think we should take this seriously. Because um, Argy is also different from <laughs> South Africans. I don't know what's going on there, but... Um, what, what's happening with Argentina? Well, no, no, with South Africa, but, uh, you know, we yeah. Yeah, there's some there's something yeah. off at the moment. Yeah, uh, yeah, I agree. Argentina's a real, you know, banana peel team for us. Um, so I think, yeah, you got to go with continuity and and maybe just yeah tweak it a little bit. You know, rest some players, get some other players game time, but try and stick with that that core team. I'd say, yeah, mm. as I touched on before, fullback, hooker, maybe rotate the back row. Play um, maybe- Samu actually, Samu for Swinton, yeah. I think. Bring yeah. in Sean, Sean McMahon, getting yeah, back bringing in. Bringing in the mad dog. Yeah. Bring, bringing in the mad dog. Yeah. That's a, there's another thing to talk about. There's there's comp there's there's competition there's competition for spots as well. Uh, keeping on staying on the halfback on the fullback position. I think you, Nathan, you said that Pattaya was your second choice. For me, I think it's time to to let him rip. We've heard so much about Jordan Pattaya, and I feel like he hasn't really had the chance to to really show his stuff yet. Um, I think there's an opportunity here for him. I really think there's an opportunity here for Pattaya. That's no slouch on Houch, uh, in on Hodge, by the way. I think if if I think Rennie wouldn't be making, you know, a bad choice to to go with Hodge, considering how, especially considering how effective his long kicking was. But I feel like it's a simple situation of similar to Lalesio when we when we played France, or you know, just giving the giving this guy. The chance to stamp his uh, his ability on his potential on the role on that one position. I feel like I know that you know we've seen Bataille on the in the centres and and whenever he has come on for the Wallabies, um, he's usually been kind of on in that wing sort of position occasionally at centre. Um, but he can play fullback, and I feel like it would be worth at least giving him a crack at fullback um, because in terms of sheer athletic ability. Um, the dude is outstanding, and I feel like it would it would, considering he's been on the fringes of that Wallaby side for so long. I feel like now's an opportunity to give him that 
to give him that that space. He's also would be backed up by two, you know, well strong performing wingers. Kellaway's playing really well at the moment, which is wonderful. Corabidi has been playing fantastic all season, you know, with that with his hard running and everything in between. Um, two of those guys alongside him, um, I reckon he could do so much good. He could he could really stamp that role. And that's the move as well, apparently. Um, leading up to, I think it was, uh, was it the, I can't remember if it, was, if it was before the All Blacks or before TRC, but there was talk that, uh, uh, there, I think it was the attacking coach, Scotty Wisemantle, um, said, was it August, so yeah, last month, that they, they want him to sort of become a player that can play multiple, uh, multiple positions. And he's even... And ties admitted to him that he wants to move the fullback as well. So I mean, mm. why why not? Let's face it, we got to, we're essentially playing someone out of position because if you're saying is Reese Hodges' main position at fullback, it's probably not. It's probably. I mean, we. I don't think he knows anymore. I, it's too, <laughs> I would have said centre, but I mean, I think even at this stage, he's probably probably not playing there for the Rebels. Rebels at this stage, so Hodges is a useful player to have though. Like. I mean, we we I have... he's, he's like the uh, you know, the the Wallabies version of Geordie Barrett almost. You know, he can you know slot in fly half. I think Geordie Barrett's played every position in the back line, same as Hodge. <laughs> yeah, it, it's but it, I think in the past I I have worried, and this is something that you know extended back to you know podcasts of old, like when the Green and Gold Rugby Show was going or stuff. That it was a situation of being worried that what the Wallabies had too many jacks of all trades, but masters of none. No masters of of that one stamping role in that position. Um, having a player like Hodge right now, or surrounded by other players who are really putting a stamp on on those particular positions, um, like you know Karevi at centre, um, and and you know Yakorabidi on the wing, whatever. Having a player like that who can who can slot in anywhere, and he's a really athletic and great class player, is a fantastic uh, option for the Wallabies. And I think, um, you know, it's which is really positive. I do want to ask you guys quickly about the the forward pack and the pack as well because they put in some fantastic effort and I think this match put to put to bed for certain and I know Rugby Reg was was shouting this from the heavens uh, come Saturday night. Uh, Tani Elatupo is no longer just a bloke who comes off the bench. That bloke played seventy seven minutes and was outstanding from start to finish. Um, the question is, do we? Uh, what's the makeup of the Wallabies pack? Nick, what do you think on this one? Um, yeah, it's hard to say that he shouldn't start. Like, it's really hard to say. He was um, outstanding. He played so well. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, as we covered, and especially against this box pack, like, I don't know if I said this last week, but you have props and they're big boys. And then you have the South African props and they're just, Huge, the huge man. Oh, and oh my god, that oh, he's just a huge <laughs> unit. And we we boss them, um, to be frank. Um, so I'm I'm really happy where it's at. The only thing is like, oh no, and I, I've I've said this to you guys. I think Swinton's been a bit. Bit, you know, how's your father? Um, he has played well, you know, he's a line out option and all that sort of jazz. But I think, you know, since they've just sort of sat him down and said, look, none of the crazy shit, um, 
which he really was known for when he started last year and whatever. He's lost that edge a bit. Um, and he's really oh, like that's really just him. That. Him and him and Hooker. That. Him and Hooker, I think it's just the the tiny weak points. But every like that's four, you know, four stars instead of five. I just thought everyone played really well. And I mean, <laughs> Tongan Thor comes in almost at a right angle at the scrum, but. Um, <laughs> But, you oh, know, the boards couldn't just—they couldn't handle it. That's why. Yeah. You know they, just, they just crumbled. Yeah. Ja- Jamie Miller told me, gave me a fantastic stat from the weekend, talking about you know South African pill- uh, pilfers or forced ruck turnovers. It was an incredible fa- stat in terms of how many the box actually managed to you know force ruck turnovers or, or do pilfers. Do you want to know how many they did? Hmm? None. Two. Oh. Zero. None. Jesus. Zero. Wow. That's how. The, the the dominance at the at the ruck, but also just in that general space by the the all by the wallabies, they just played smarter. Oh yeah, and that's just something else as well. The ruck the, the ruck security is just turned around from playing the All Blacks. Maybe that is because of playing the All Blacks, but it's just. I think Rod, Rodder has something to do with that as well. I think he he does a lot of work off the ball that goes unnoticed. Yeah, he, he, Rob, him and Philip did an excellent job, but. He's like the new Scott Fardy. Like just Fardy which just was just the the you know, while while Hooper and, and Pocock were were you know during the during the World Cup were were making headlines as the as the kings of the breakdown, Fardy was doing the hard yards and doing the hard work to enable them to do that. Um similar stuff. Which is just everyone's doing their job really well. It's a tough it's a tough position to find yourself in because you've got blokes like Sean McMahon yeah. who uh, world class players knocking on the door. Um, and he's just, looking fit. I don't know if you yeah. saw that photo oh. of him. He's looking trim. Did you did you see the video of him today in the gym? Yeah. Well, the, the well of these social media, uh, as Jack, just him screaming to himself mid rap, come on, you weak dog. <laughs> <laughs> he's a psycho, and we need a bit of psycho in the back. And he, he was up media today as well. He sounds like it as well. Like he speaks really well, but you can tell there's some stages when he starts talking about rugby and he's and coming back into it that you can just see that sort of bit in his brain tick over and you're just like, yeah, I want to see what you can do against a, an Argentinian pack that's going to come out and try and boss us around. Scary, yeah. scary man. And just what's going on with Japan? Quaid, Karevi, Sean McMahon all look... So much better for going to Japan. Yeah, yeah that's a good question. He, he touched on it though. Like I might be able to provide a bit of insight from that. Is a lot of what he said was um, firstly that their fit the fitness levels aren't as bad as what people sort of suspect. I think we have this kind of mentality that it's a lot a lot less in terms of physicality and skill level, but the the fitness levels are always very high. Plus, you have that sort of a lot less games and I think it's a lot in terms of it pre- preserves their body a lot more. So you can kind of get away with almost upskilling and you're a lot more sharper than essentially. I mean, you've got some players in or probably in the Wallabies team right now who are probably hitting what about 20 games already in their season. Mm. You guys you now have guys coming back like super fit as it is. I think mm. the, the word out word from McMahon last week was, if he was even in quarantine, if he was to come straight out, he was get he's up there with the fittest in the squad. So yeah. I think I think there's something to do with that Japanese yeah. style of sort of pre- preserving the body and also that taking <laughs> care of that real professionalism that's going that's really starting to, to shun like show. 
Mm. Yeah. Japanese rugby is built at, you know, playing high tempo, high skilled rugby. You know, they're, they're not the biggest people um, on the planet. So they, they need, you know, that point of difference and it's yeah. Yeah. Fast paced, highly skilled. And, and I think that's translating to some of these guys that are coming back. Yeah. It's, Look, it's. I feel like with this question, we're kind of we're, we're we're nitpicking because, and we're nitpicking on, on positions of who slots in for who to be slightly better than who, um, which it really is the sense of it now feels like it's these are the right problems to have. Well, um, we're, look, whereas, we're looking for one percent instead of, instead of sort of five or ten percent that we've. Yeah, we are. So it's it's nice. Yeah. Look, whether of course the the the, the Wallabies can keep it up is is you know we'll. we'll Time will tell, but there there is a real sense here that this squad is going places. They are really moving places, and it's wonderful to see. It is, I mean, you know, my time doing my time doing this pod. There, there really hasn't, which has been in, in the time of Checker, we're feeling just kind of slightly wondering about where, where is this team going. Now, I feel like this team is going places. They know what they're doing. There's a sense of of they know what they need to work on and they're going to work on it, um, which is really great to see. And hopefully they can keep it up. And I think this will lead us quite nicely onto, onto the next question. Um, oh, just... sorry. Sorry. Oh. Sorry, Nick. Sorry. <laughs> Spoil that. I just wanted something, this one thing about Japan. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause it sort of folds into, look, if everyone goes overseas, what's the future of super rugby going to look like this and that. Um, I don't know if this is official or anything, but Michael Hooper has been playing with Kieran Reed at uh, Toyota Verblitz. Yeah, he has. And it's probably really understated because those guys don't care. They're all professionals and probably all mates. That he's uh, People were saying that he's been talking to Kieran Reid about how to be a better captain and oh, yeah. brought that back home. And I think that's probably like a really understated part of going to Japan is that those guys do get to um, interact with those ex-pros at the top of the game, which they don't oh, get at Super because yeah. it's all just yeah. Australians, you know. Michael Hooper's yeah. top dog at the Waratahs, goes to Japan. He's playing with Peter Seftertoit and Kieran Reid. You know? Yeah, you look at someone, he plays exactly to sort of McMahon and Karevi. I mean, they were Suntory, and that was, um, I might be wrong here, but that was Bowden Barrett as well, wasn't it? Yeah. So, like, mm. that's all of a sudden, and I think Suntory has a stacked team as it is, so you have perfect players to kind of work off. Not only that as well, I think a lot of the players who have gone over there have said even someone like a TJ Paranara has said not only do you get to work with these type of players, but you kind of figure out. Or, or I know it's going to sound really spiritual, but more about yourself. And you have to kind of create this sense of what is my let what is my life and how does rugby relate instead of rugby just sort of dominating it. So not only do they come back with more experience in terms of who they're talking to, but in just in general life skills. And dealing with having a better sort of perspective around rugby, which I think Quade's the best example of that. Yeah, and that's that's shining through. Yeah, it's it's really come through. It, like, I think it's the idea of just turning them into better players, and that the players can actually take time to um, get perspective. I think maybe that time under uh, that those those couple of years after the 2015 World Cup, maybe there was just there was so much pressure to perform and there was an expectation and maybe the players often might might have struggled with <clears throat> the actual mental uh, challenges that come with playing the game at, at a level as high as this high. But it's say so yeah. look look at McMahon. He yeah he he got selected at what 2014 as a 20 year old to play for Australia. 
this is coming off playing, going straight from Australian schoolboys basically into under twenties, into sevens, and then all of a sudden, he even admitted himself, like going overseas, not only sort of gave him those skills and could set up his family, but realistically, it's allowed him to sort of preserve his body for. He said he's got at least another season in him simply from making the move. Like it's there's so many benefits to it. Mm. It's, which, is, which is sad to say, unfortunately, but <laughs> please, I mean, please stay, please stay in Australia. But yeah, that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> that is a whole other podcast. There's a whole other, whole other discussion to have there. Oh, um, yeah, totally. I reckon get Japan in the, uh, the rugby championship next year. It's got to happen. Oh my god. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> not next year, but it's got to happen. The big swings are coming out again. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to see it. Um, let's let's move on to question three um, be, uh, because we all of this talk about uh, you know surprise wins and 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 depth and and the issues of you know how teams are performing really leads a question we we talked about this a little bit last week but I feel like this this match kind of provides a little bit more context in terms of uh, really kind of getting a sense of where the Wallabies are on a, in a global capacity we've we've won that series against France. Um, who were runners up in the Six Nations? Um, we won. We've beaten while we while we you know we didn't get the letters low against the All Blacks. We've played two fantastic games against uh, the Springboks, um, and the rankings have changed now as a result. Um, All Blacks have moved to first. Um, Wallabies have jumped up two places to third. Um, what does the actual top five teams in the world really look like right now? Um, Jack, I'm going to throw to you for this one first. Uh, who's your top five right now uh, in terms of, you know, first, big, wow. best to best, first to fifth? Wow. Yeah, it's it's uh the the order's sort of been restored down in the southern hemisphere. You know, you got New Zealand, South Thank Africa, you. and Australia <laughs> all on top again, as it should be. Um, so yeah, they're 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 the top three at least. It's it's amazing how. Far South Africa have slid down the rankings since since the World World Cup, um, and and New Zealand have just overtaken them um, this week, um, thanks to us getting beaten three 0 today. Um, but yeah, it's it's amazing to see like what's happened to South Africa. Um, that you know we'll talk about it later, but you know two, one one v two um, in the world going up against each other next week will will be an absolute cracker. Um, and yeah, probably to probably to round it out, I, I, you know, France are France are really good, so I'd put them in the the fourth spot, even though they're you know six on the rankings. Um, uh, and then Ireland, I like Ireland. Keep England out of it. <laughs> England, is, I England, love England and, um, personal personal opinions. Like, yeah, the, the England yeah. team are good, but fuck them. We, we don't like them, <laughs> yeah, yeah. so keep them out of the top five. Yeah, yeah, can, Jack, can you like, take over the rankings? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> if Jack's over the rankings, England would be they wouldn't be fourth, they'd be 104th. Yeah, yeah. put them put them below freaking Germany. Freaking put them I got a soft spot for Scotland as well. So that round, I'll put them up in, in sixth, <laughs> Argentina seventh, Wales, yeah. Japan. Then yeah. you start going down the list. I think England's about 10th at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> Shots being fired. Come, come. It'll be interesting to see how how that how that age has come October when we play them. Um, it's an interesting point you touch on about what's going on with the Springboks right now because I mean we, we would, it goes to show like the, the the Springboks won a series against the British and Irish Lions in uh, earlier this year. The best of the Northern Hemisphere. They beat. They won that series two one. 
Um, and yet they come over here and they struggle, um, which b- begs two questions. One, what was going on during that British and Irish Lions series? Um, was the quality of rugby at the level that we we thought it was going to be? Um, and two, what's what's happening with Europe? <laughs> if the European if the European teams are looking at that, or that with the best players are looking at that and going, oh crap, Wallabies mate looks the Wallabies played really really well and just and did like that. What are we doing wrong? Um, Nathan, what are your thoughts on this? What are your thoughts on 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 the top five? See, I, I don't really read much into the British and Irish lines. I think there's there was enough going on around you know COVID, COVID sort of restricting players, restricting preparation. So I think, and also not being able to have the fans, I think actually, despite being South Africa, goes against the whole Lions methodology and everything they love to not methodology more than their whole spiritual BS they like to claim around it. But yeah, it, it makes a difference. But for me, I I go against Jack. When I look at the top five, I kind of want to see who do I think beat two. Um, New Zealand one, and then and this is going to piss Jack off, but England two. Oh, you know, I think I, England, it's going to be controversial. I think England, let's face it, we, when was the last time we beat England? What, 2015? 2015 during the World Cup. I don't want to talk about it, but yeah, it's, we're on a seven-match losing streak to them right now. Like, I'm sorry, I can't, as much as I'd love to, I can't put us in front of England when every single time we play we play them, they just smack us. So, oh, England, England to Australia third, and then probably... Can I can I do South Africa and France as a tied fourth? Because I <laughs> nah. think they're probably on the same. It's <laughs> um, <laughs> not how it works. Um, <laughs> nah, so South Africa just fourth and then France fifth. For me, I think South Africa have just had, had two bad games, but are still a very good side. So I don't know. It's okay. I I, I feel like I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna challenge you on this England thing here, Nath, because. Uh, I feel like the reason why we've lost seven on the trot is because we watched seven of the exact same games of rugby where Eddie Jones basically said, Checker plays rope-a-dope rugby, one-dimensional, boring rugby that is really easy to play against. Um, I don't see that with this current Rennie side right now. I really don't. I feel like they're playing much more what's in front of them and not playing so flat in terms of their attack. Um, It's a lot more unpredictable. But like this, this is an England side that beat. That also, let's not forget, beat New Zealand. Something that South Africa can't say they did to win a World Cup. To on their way to winning a World Cup, it's just yeah, England but we side just that beat South Africa. So <laughs> it, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> the whole thing is we should. It doesn't make sense when you try and do it the way I've done it. But I truly <laughs> think England. I think out of all those sort of European nations, are also I reckon the best travelers as well. They seem to find a way mm. to win those games yeah. away from England, which mm. I, I don't think Ireland, Wales, or I mean, France pro- nearly did it against us. They were, what, I think one or two kicks away from defeating us. But mm. I, I, I think South Africa, have, I wouldn't say lost it, but I, I need to see them produce a better performance against New Zealand this week to say that, to comfortably say they're better than England. So, mm. I like, I, I, I still think at this stage England can claim that they are second in the world, even though they let so, you know to have that opinion. Though I need to basically say the twenty-one Six Nations didn't happen, and I don't recognise it because so. <laughs> so, they were shocking. But you they know were what? Shocking. They were shocking. It, you know, it was downfall twenty twenty-one. 
for for England. I don't know. It's it's a tough one. I mean, look, no denying that England are a very talented side. There is so many fantastic players there, and I love also the fact that it took an Aussie to show them how to actually play rugby properly. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's I don't know. It's it, it certainly makes the actual upcoming of all the clashes uh, that we're talk, that uh, the Wallabies will be facing uh, in terms of the upcoming uh, spring tour. That's the clash I'm most interested in. Um, the clash between the Wallabies and England at Twickenham. Um, just seeing what's going to happen there because it's no longer going to – I don't think it's going to be rope-a-dope rugby anymore. Jo- um, and Andy Jones is probably going to have to go, okay, well, how am I going to actually beat this side that actually is confident and is trusting and believing in themselves a bit more? Um, and on top of it is showing a much more adaptive game plan. I don't know. It's going to be interesting. But I'm, I'm keen for the spring tour, definitely. Yeah. It's a shame that we're not playing Ireland. We could have gone for the Grand Slam. Calling it now. <laughs> um, Nick, what are your thoughts on this top five? Um, yeah, uh, probably in between what we've had so far. I think New Zealand, and then two, say uh, France. Ooh, three England, four us, five uh, South Africa. Um, I mean, I haven't seen Ireland or Wales or Scotland or England play. Um, for a year or something, but I did see the islands number five, and I'm like, Japan absolutely tore them apart the World Cup, <laughs> so that doesn't make sense to me. But um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, no, that, that's how I think it would go. I think France are a really good team. Um, yeah, they are. They didn't win the Six Nations, but I think they just got stitched up. If, if right, it was they, so they finished runners up, I think runners up. Yeah, I, I I think France they're a really good team, you know, and a lot of their best players are like 23, 24 around that time. And I think yeah. by next world cup, they would just be great. And I actually, you know, I think it'd be really good for rugby if they win it because yeah, yeah. It, it, it takes away from that Anglo obsession. I think it would just really fuel it in France. And it's really important to France is doing it because they're, you know, in Europe and will be able to drive interest in, in neighboring countries as well. So anyway, anyway, but yeah, that's um, yeah. that's how I, I feel. New Zealand, French, though. New Zealand are playing France in the spring tour as well, so that'll be another cracker. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I saw something on uh, some guy tweet actually. It's like that's probably the one v two match this year. Yeah. Match is most excited for for the year. Complete. I think I feel like that's kind of funny considering we're, like, he's completely doing the match that's going to happen this weekend. Um. <laughs> no, that no, yeah, but that's his point. He's just like South Africa looks shit. Like, <laughs> and it's probably France, which I, yeah, I, I agree with him actually. Well, look, it's it'll be curious to see if if that's the case. You know, come this weekend, um, in terms of the result, uh, whether the all whether the Springboks are able to show up and, and play a game plan that actually troubles the All Blacks. Um, but we'll find out. And I think this is a good, a good segue on to, on to question four, our thoughts for, for this coming weekend. Um, before we talk about uh, Springboks All Blacks, let's talk about this, uh, this Wallabies Pumas game, uh, which will, uh, that, that'll be happening. Um, what are our thoughts on this? What are our predictions of this? Because as much as, you know, we should, the Wallabies will probably go into this game as favorites. I mean, complacency is a dangerous thing and we have fallen prey to it before. Um, and even though uh, the Pumas have not been playing their best rugby, uh, you know, I think, you know, at, at the moment, they're still a great side in the, in that team. Um, and I, I reckon if we, 
if we if we go in too complacent, um, it could come back to bite us. Uh, Natho, what do you think? Uh, what are your thoughts on this on this upcoming game between the Wallabies and Pumas? I feel like this could almost tell us more than what the South African game has told us. I think yeah. it's one of those things we as I, we alluded to in past podcasts, but we we seem to lift when we play South Africa, and we find that find that way to sort of get a win, but. And it's, I think it's, some of that almost has to do with the fact that we're not expected to win a lot of the time. And it's not like the All Blacks where they can kind of just, they just turn a switch and put us on us, put it on us. But it's the games like Argentina where we're going to be, let's face it, after these two wins, we're going to be expected to win and do it and do it in a comfortable fashion. The thing I saw out of Argentina was they were. Didn't last for the whole eighty minutes, but for significant periods against the All Blacks, they were really able to frustrate them. Mm, I think yeah, we've yeah. seen we've seen in Wallabies teams in the past as soon as they get frustrated, it's a sense of heads go, structures out the window, and we we all of a sudden just fall into their game plan, and they find a way to either get a draw or on the rare occasion get a win. So it's interesting. I want to see how we react when we're put under that. Under that pressure, because they they will hold us, they will hold us out. They will, they will. I, I'm saying there will be a period. Oh, I'm predicting there's going to be a period where they just try and frustrate our attack and just hold us out for sort of attack after attack after attack. Uh, I, I want to see that Plan B and Plan C come into action, or a Wallabies team that just tr- trusts that's going to happen. Because eventually there will be holes. Eventually there will be chances. But I want to see a team that sort of takes advantage of that instead of being just dragged into some sort of dogfight with, uh, with the Pumas. But I reckon the Pumas will be better, but I'm still I'm still back in the Wallabies to get the job done. Yeah, it's – I completely agree. I think it's the one thing that, you know, Wallabies teams have passed, uh, particularly over the last couple of years, which is, you know, it's it, it, which is why we often have felt sometimes a little pessimistic in the past, is that – that consistency, it's consistency back to back. It's great that they've been able to to put together this performance, um, back uh, the, this these series of performances against the uh, against the Springboks. Um, but there's a sense that the element of surprise isn't necessarily there anymore because you're coming up against a team that is struggling but is a, is still extremely talented, and there's an expectation to win. Um, the hope is that they actually just play a natural. A natural game plan, a natural they just play to their natural game and just not think about it too much. Similar to, you know, how the All Blacks play. Um, there's a lot of great players in this Argentine side. Like, of course, we can't forget Pablo Matera, um, or uh, or Santiago Matrano um, and uh, Montoya in the in the front pack, which uh, will be there'll be an absolute menace at scrum time, uh, especially going up against Tupo. Um, Jack, what are your thoughts uh, on this game? Yeah, it's a it's a dangerous one, and we said. You know, we said at the start of the rugby championships, two wins against Argentina were pretty much non-negotiable. So we need mm. to win these two to you know go out on the um on the championship um high, give us a chance to maybe even win it. Um, I don't know what the maths is on that, but um, yeah. No, I don't. I think if if the if the if uh basically I think the mathematics is because currently the All Blacks are on twenty points and the nearest to them is uh, the is the spring box on 10 on 10. So if the, uh, if our, if New Zealand actually lose, but they lose by a losing bonus point, uh, they still win the rugby championship anyway. 
Okay. Well, whatever. We need we need to we need to win the, these two Argentina games, even for the you know the soul of Australian rugby to not be ripped out and crushed. Um, yeah, we need to we need to win these two games, and we need to look good doing it. Um, Argentina, all yeah, they're they're just maniacs in the ruck. They'll be hitting that hard all game. Um, they'll yeah, as you said, frustrate us. Um, and they got some skill out wide as well. I, I don't know whether Nicolas Sanchez is back. For this game, but um, he, he's a danger man, and, and the forward pack, yeah, is is pretty tenacious. So we're gonna have to step up, play play smarter, um, you know, tweak our game plan a bit, and and make sure we're not surprised when they, when they come and um, you know do the do the things that RGs do. Yeah, it's a it's gonna be an interesting one to watch. It's gonna be a very interesting one to watch. Um, particularly around i know our mate across the uh, across in south america paul tate has had some question marks about uh some of mario ledesma's uh selections um for this argentine squad um and also in terms of some of their tactics around their game plan um he's had some question marks about what they're trying to do but you know maybe this they might set they might sniff blood in the water they might sniff opportunity um, an opportunity here and i wouldn't blame them um nick what are your thoughts um yeah fancy a Michael Checker coach side to uh, be really good in the first year of his coaching and then turns out they've got shit tactics in the second year. Um, oh, 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 my geez. goodness. <laughs> um, my goodness. No, you know, it's not, his, it's not his second year. He's been coached since, like, 2018. He's, like, been there for, like, nearly four years. Has he? Yeah, I oh, think I it hasn't know. been four years. He was coaching us. No, he was coaching for Australia in 2018. No, no, he's, no. He remember he left after the um, Ireland series, I think, to go to go be the head coach. He took um, the 2019 World Cup, didn't he? Yeah, yeah no, he did, Nick. No, he didn't. He, no, he, he did. No, he wasn't. He was the head coach of he was the head coach of the of, of Argentina in 2019. Mate, that, he, <laughs> he took us to the World Cup. Uh, let's let's go Wikipedia right now. He in 2019. No, no, he didn't. Yes, in 2019. Yeah, he did. He did. No, he didn't. Go look at <laughs> fucking look at the stats. He's, I'm he's looking at the stats right now. Argentina. Jack, right Jack, now. we need you. <laughs> right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was co- he was coach then. Yeah. <laughs> he was coach. He st- his first match was against uh, South Africa in in Durban in 2018, and then he and then he got a win. He was still <laughs> Who, who was, all, right, all right, answer this, Nick. Who was the coach for the Wallabies in 20, for the 2019 World Cup? Michael Checker. Yeah, that's what we're saying. <laughs> no, no, I'm talking about Argentina, mate. What What is going on? Are we talking about Ledesma or Checker? I'm talking about who was Argentina's head coach, mate. I thought you were talking about Checker's whole Yeah, world. yeah, so did I. You were saying Michael Checker was Argentina's head coach in 2018. You mean Ledesma. You mean Ledesma? Ledesma, mate. You were saying Checker. No, you were saying Checker. You're not going to say Checker. talking che- about Ledesma. Okay, that makes a lot more sense. Mm. Unless me and Nick have gone crazy. Yeah, no, you, you definitely say- said Checker. No, you I definitely said, said Checker. All right, well, look, you can, for, for all of our listeners, you can rewind the footage and see if I'm crazy or not. Um, But, yeah, it turns out. I, I bet you will, Nick, and then you record a little bit. Let's take that again. Let's take that again. That was amazing. <laughs> anyway, anyway. <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, look, we have to be cautious. Um, I think maybe talking about the mental thing, you know, we play Argentina, go, yeah, easy beats, and then don't show up. 
So we have to show up. We drew with them twice last year. Um, uh, but like we were saying before, I think it'll be a great opportunity to see where we're at in terms of like we can play, change a few people around and see how we go with that. Um, and then this weekend, uh, oh, I just think the All Blacks are going to steamroll the box. I hope the box show up. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'm thinking, you know, how are they so shit? Is it quarantine? Maybe. But you'd think they'd get over that. Mm. Um, and it's definitely not the climate because uh, I think Durban and Brisbane have similar climates. Um, so I just, I've, that's my thinking. I think they just totally mentally prepped themselves to beat New Zealand and think that could carry them through. So it, it, yeah. it does. It does seem like a game where South Africa would have would have sort of penciled in twelve months ago, and then all of a sudden have just had this laser focus and probably won't admit it, but I reckon there was there was part of them that kind of looked past the, the, these Australia games and gone right since New Zealand. We haven't played them since the World Cup. We this is this can really sort of establish ourselves as the number one side. Mm. This this is our chance. A hundredth test as well. This is our chance. Now, now it's not played in New Zealand as well. We can really make a statement, and in that that sense, got almost got sort of caught caught out by the worries in a sense. But I think I think that that would motivate them, and just that sort of the hungry dog runs faster. And I think they just you have a, a almost New Zealand cruising against Argentina against a South African side who really now feel like they need to make a point and try and put in a performance against New Zealand. So. I, I, I'm calling the upset. I reckon South Africa get it done because world, really? world, world rugby makes no sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's it. Is, is that the upset if Springboks are <laughs> world champions? But, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd love to see the um, Springboks actually beat the All Blacks. It's a, they're, they're playing for national pride at the moment, so they, I'm sure they'll come out firing. And, and that, at least a yeah, hard-fought, entertaining match is, is what I'm looking forward to. Um, and there was just that one period uh, in the game against us where Faf de Klerk was just bossing the game. I think after he came on, uh, after he came back on after his yellow card, um, yeah. and for about twenty minutes. And I think, look, if he can pull that out for a bit longer, um, the box can be a real threat this weekend. Mm. Yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting one. I, I I I'm not convinced that there's going to be an upset. I feel like there's something going on. There's something off with the Springboks right now. Um, I think there's the. I feel like they've they've come to a realization that they've actually got to play footy. Um, I feel like they might have had to have. They might have after the whole situation that went down with the Lions, which was admittedly very unique circumstances um, to play a series. Um, I think this uh, this Wallabies ma- this Wallaby series has really brought them back to earth, and I feel like either they'll they'll put themselves under pressure and they'll struggle against New Zealand, or they'll put themselves under pressure and they actually show up. It's a tough one to call. And right now, I'm not sure. I'd love to be proven wrong because I want a fantastic game of footy, and it's there is nothing more enjoyable than being neutral um, and watching a fantastic game of rugby um, and just being a menace and just a uh, and just calling the shots um yeah it, it'll be a fantastic one i think new zealand are going to get it done though they're they're it's a fantastic they're, they're a fantastic side and they're you know i think i don't know how many they've won on the trot at the moment like eight or nine um certainly they're definitely playing the best that they have under under ian foster as coach so i think 
right now. I, I can't see anyone beating them at the moment, um, especially uh, this all black side, this Springbok side that isn't doesn't look like they're really kind of got their head screwed on right now when it comes uh, to, to rugby. Do we know if Cheslin Colby's coming back? Not sure. I like it's. I think he was racing the clock to be back sort of this way, but um, I th- think they name their side tomorrow's. But by the looks of it, the looks like the assistant coach was up a couple of hours ago and said um, Cheslin is still doubtful for selection. He returned to training, so he's still in the return to training phase, but not returned to play. So he's very much still doubtful for this upcoming game. So oh, rare. looks like he's probably out, but. Maybe bench at best. Yeah. But also apparently the head coach last week said he wouldn't be staying with us if we didn't think he'd be available for the, over the next two weeks. So make of that what you will. Mm. It's interesting. Interesting. Um, final thoughts, final predictions. Uh, Nathan, who do you reckon for the thoughts for the weekend? I'm still I'm backing South Africa just to prove that this all – World rugby is nuts. They they get the result over New Zealand. I think we we find a way to beat Argentina. I, I like that we have. There's now seems to be confidence in the group to find a way to win when we're not exactly playing a hundred hundred percent. And I think that that has changed from 2020. So I reckon we find a way to beat Argentina, but I'm, I reckon it'll be close. I reckon mm. less than seven. I reckon. Yes. Mm. I was going to say the exact same thing. Yeah, I reckon um, we'll we'll underestimate the Pumas a bit. Uh, you know, riding high on this win, um, but we'll get the job done five by five. And then for um, I'm going box ten because <laughs> world, you know, the rugby world is boring when the All Blacks just dominate everything. <laughs> Nick, do you do you agree? Disagree? Um, I disagree. I think the All Blacks will beat the South Africans and will put on a bigger points difference than we will on the Pumas. Wow. Really? Yeah. Fair call. Huge. Yeah, look, I I think we will beat Argentina. I definitely agree that it's going to be much closer than we think it is um, as well. Definitely less than 10. Um, because uh, you know this this Argentine side is a talented side, uh, but I don't see. I, I if if South Africa keep playing the way that they're playing right now, I do not see them beating the All Blacks. I really don't. So I reckon more than ten. If if they if they show up like they have against the Wallabies, um, it'll be more than ten to the All Blacks. I think. All right. I think that brings us to the end uh, of this podcast. Um, Thank you once and all. Thank you guys once again. It's been a pleasure chatting rugby with you as always. Um, And to all of our listeners, um, we hope you get down and check out the footy if you're in Townsville. Make sure you get down and check out two fantastic games for the the price of one. Um, But for everyone else, uh, be sure to to check out the rugby uh, online or uh, on Channel 9 on Free to Air. Um, and uh, this has been the drop kickoff, and we'll catch you the next time around. Hey, right. But what did go wrong? I have to look, look, and think about it. Think about it deeply, very deeply. Did it hinge in the end on a bit of genius from Sirly Bombo? Bit of genius, bit of magic. Sirly Bombo, very interesting, very good. Yeah, very good. Three cheers for Sirly Bombo. Very good, very good. <laughs>